Political Thoughts with Steve is brought to you by Anchor. Go to anchor.fm today to start your free podcast or download the Anchor app from all major app stores. Welcome to this week's episode of Political Thoughts with Steve. I'm your host, Stephen Murphy. Welcome, welcome, welcome to all of my fellow amazing political podcast nerds out there in podcast land. It is so great to talk with all of you once again. Last week, we kind of took a break, but we recorded like two episodes back to back. So we decided to just go ahead and just let that State of the Union podcast episode B, last week's episode. So with that being said, we have a lot to talk about and also some changes on our show that we are actually pretty excited about. And I hope that you guys are going to be super stoked about also. So this week's episode, we're going to be talking about the Mueller investigation. We're just going to be updating you all of what's going on right now with the Mueller investigation. Also, we're going to be talking about Trump's national emergency on the border, how he got or how he's attempting to get his border wall. We're going to be talking about that. Also, we are going to have a new segment on our show. Now, the majority of our show, we have had a segment called This Week in Trump. However, the problem with that segment that I have come to realize is that the majority of our show is talking about the dumb shit that President Trump does every single week. So we decided to get rid of This Week in Trump, and we are going to have a new segment called Polytalk. Polytalk is a segment where we talk about a political subject and kind of give you some education on it, um, which I think is really cool in the podcast. I don't ever want to be that podcast that, you know, just rambles about, you know, made up shit. I like to give all of you, our amazing listeners and supporters, the best information possible. So polytalk is basically like you're going to a poly sci class and you're going to learn about a subject. So this week's subject, we're going to be talking about the history of national emergencies. What exactly is a national emergency? What constitute a national emergency? And what does the president have to do to get a national emergency declared? And also the question of that segment for all of my political nerds out there, is is Trump's national border wall emergency constitutional? So we're going to be talking about that. And also, final thoughts with Steve this week, we are going to be discussing voting. We're going to be talking about some issues that you should be paying attention to, not just single voting issues, but we're going to be talking about a multiple of issues and how we need to stop judging candidates as far as Democrats are concerned how we just need to stop judging candidates this early in the game. We need to kind of take a step back and reevaluate our candidates and everything. So we are going to be talking about all this cool stuff this week. So sit back and relax. Go ahead and make yourself a cold drink. I've got my awesome drink of whiskey right here, and we will be right back on this week's episode of Political Thoughts with Steve. 
And welcome back to this week's episode of Political Thoughts with Steve. So, first topic of discussion, we're going to be talking about the Mueller investigation. Now, we have heard a lot about the Mueller investigation, so much that I'm pretty sure that all of you are pretty much just tired of hearing about the Mueller investigation. I know I am, but not because I want it to, you know, just end. I'm tired because... This is all we've been hearing about for the last two years, and I'm ready for Donald Trump to be impeached. So that's why I am tired of the Mueller investigation. Um, so, you, yeah, this segment, we're going to be talking about the Mueller investigation. Let's give um, everyone an update. Now, we're going to backtrack a little bit. And for those of you in podcast world that does not even know what the Mueller investigation is, because, you know, sometimes we do have some listeners that do not live in the United States. So I'm going to give you a brief history. The Mueller investigation is an investigation going on right now for the Russian government's involvement to interfere in the 2016 presidential elections. The election includes, or the investigation includes, any possible links or coordinated or coordination between Donald Trump's campaign and the Russian government by and any matters that arose or may arise directly from the investigation. The scope of the investigation includes potential obstruction of justice, which is a sexy term because that is something that you will hear a lot when Congress decides to hold impeachment hearings on him. Um, it began in May of 2017. It has um, been conducted by the Department of Defense the special counsel's office headed by Robert Mueller. And crazy thing is, Robert Mueller is a Republican and the former director of the FBI. As part of the investigation, Robert Mueller has taken over several other existing FBI investigations, which includes Chairman Paul Manafort and former National Security Advisor to President Trump, Michael Flynn. So that is your brief history of this deals. So this is what's been happening in the last couple of weeks. So January 28th, Matthew Whitaker, the acting attorney general, also known as Matthew, I swear to God, he needs his punch face Whitaker, announced that the investigation was close to being completed. Although during the February 8th testimony before the House Judiciary Committee, he clarified that was my position and that Mueller was going to finish the investigation when he wants to finish his investigation, which is totally two different things than saying, hey, we're close to being done versus we'll be done when he gets, you know, done. Um, but there's some crazy crap going on right now. Um, so let's take a look at some really cool things. Um, so as early as spring of 2015, intelligence agencies started overhearing conversations which the Russian government discuss associates of Trump, who was also a presidential candidate. Now, during that time, you know, we have had a lot of wiretapping instances going on, especially since the passage of the Patriot Act, which I have told all of you, in my opinion, 
that was the time that we literally lost like all of our freedom of privacy. Um, but they overheard these conversations. They started looking into it. And before you knew it, Donald Trump was elected president. Um, there was a interview going on this week um, involving former acting director Andrew McCabe. He outlined uh, tonight the reasons top officials decided to open an, a counterintelligence probe, an obstruction of justice investigation, into President Donald Trump. Um, the FBI and Robert Mueller has been looking into the accusations that Trump asked former director James Comey to drop the investigation into former national security advisor Michael Flynn, which is a major no-no. Uh, Trump made public comments linking his firing of Comey to the Russian investigation on NBC. Trump fired Comey. Trump met in the Oval Office with Russian officials where Trump reported reportedly said that firing uh, Director Comey relieved some great pressure. And when he was asked during this interview if Rosenstein was on board with opening investigations into Trump, Mr. McCabe said absolutely. He uh, gave a description of concerns closely tracked that of former FBI General Counsel James Baker, who told congressional investigators last year that FBI officials were contemplating with regard to Russia whether Trump was acting at the behest of and somehow following directions, somehow executing their will. Basically saying that Trump is working for Russia. Trump has ties with the Russian government. Trump probably has business ties with Russia, which would not shock me the one bit. Um, I think when it comes out, and if it comes out and says that Donald Trump was 100%, 100% behind this um, with Russia collusion, I mean, I, I'll be I'll be shocked, and I know a lot of y'all would say to this, why are you shocked? And the reason why I'm shocked is because it's a U.S. president who cheated to become president. Now, here's my question on that. If Donald Trump is found guilty that he colluded with Russia to win a presidential race, shouldn't that just disqualify him and make Hillary Clinton the winner of the 2016 general election? Now, I know that the electors, they have already, you know, met, they casted their votes. Trump was pretty much confirmed because I always see that the confirmation is when the electors cast their votes and the winner has officially became the president-elect. But if he cheated, shouldn't that disqualify him and give the presidency to Hillary Clinton? Now, I wasn't a fan of Hillary Clinton back in 2016. I was a huge Bernie fan during 2016, but I was not a Hillary fan. And we are going to talk about that in our final segment in the podcast. But 
if you look at any other kind of competition, normally when someone cheats to win, what happens is the second place finisher, they win. They automatically get it because that person is now disqualified. So my question to all of my fellow political nerds out there is, is Hillary or should Hillary become president? Because, or let me clear, let me ask a different question. Should Trump be disqualified, which would give Hillary Clinton the win? If this was during 2016, no doubt. Will Hillary Clinton become president? Absolutely not. She will not become president because of this. However, this does give us an opportunity for discussion. So, just a question out there for everyone. Do you believe this should have disqualified Donald Trump and gave the 2016 election to Hillary Clinton? And when you answer, I want you to answer on Twitter and just hashtag political thoughts with Steve when you answer that question so I can read everyone's response to that question. So, let's get on with it. Even after the investigation was launched, McKay said the president continued to praise Russia and described an instance where Trump said he trusted Russian President Putin in blatant contradiction with U.S. intelligence. So Trump doesn't trust U.S. intelligence. There is a huge problem if the president cannot trust U.S. intelligence. If he is trusting a foreign government over our own resources, that is a problem. McCabe told CBS that Trump didn't believe North Korea had done a missile test because Putin told him the rogue regime didn't have the capability or the missiles to carry out tests for missiles that could hit the United States. He also said that during a White House briefing, which an FBI official who was present at the briefing relayed this information to McCabe. So this was a very interesting uh, interview on CBS. Like I was very, I was very into this, uh, this interview tonight. And if y'all haven't seen it, just YouTube the interview and watch the interview. Um, Press secretary Sarah Sanders did generally blast McCabe's book in a prepared statement saying that, quote, Andrew McCabe was fired in total disgrace from the FBI because he had lied to investigators on multiple occasions, including under oath. His selfish and destructive agenda drove him to open a completely biased investigation into the president. So let's talk about that statement. First, Sarah Sanders is a complete idiot. Um, and, you know... For a bunch of Christians or people, actually, I'm going to take that back. For a bunch of people who claim that they are Christians, they all lie so much. I think they forgot that that commandment that Moses gave to his people when he came down from the mountain. You know, thou shalt not lie because Sarah Sanders lies more than Pinocchio does. 
And just as much as Senator Pinocchio does, which Senator Pinocchio, as everyone knows, is our good friend Ted Cruz. And by good friend, I mean we're really not friends with Ted Cruz. Um, she also said that his actions were shame- so shameful. His actions were so shameful. Woman, look yourself in the mirror. Your boss is very shameful. Saying that he was referred to federal prosecutors, Andrew McCabe has no credibility in his embarrassment to the men and women of the FBI and our great country. Sarah Sanders, you are an embarrassment to every single political, or I'm sorry, every single press secretary that has ever came before you. You're an embarrassment to our country. Your president, Donald Trump, is an embarrassment to our country. And if you don't believe that, just ask other countries. So it's like the pot is calling the kettle black here. It really is in this report. Um, McKay was fired by Jeff Sessions in March following an investigation. In an inspector general report that concluded he misled investigators about his role in directing other officials at the FBI to speak to the Wall Street Journal about his involvement in a public corruption investigation into the Clinton Foundation. The Justice Department's uh, watchdog has referred his findings on McCain to the U.S. Attorney's Office in Washington for possible criminal charges. And of course, the case remains under investigation as a report by CNN. So, yeah, this guy obviously has done some really stupid shit. But if you haven't noticed, people who have done stupid shit is coming forward to talk about stupid shit that is going on within the Trump White House. It's one of those like instances I remember when I was in school and someone would get in trouble. And before he was, you know, completely crushed by, by a bus, the kid would tell on his best friend that also did something stupid just to throw him under the bus as well. That's pretty much what everybody involved in this investigation is doing right now. The moment that someone is found guilty, or as soon as someone has been proven to lie under oath or has done some really stupid, crazy shit, before they are, or right as they are being thrown under the bus and be crushed by the tires, they point their finger to someone else and said, that person did the exact same thing. Just to bring them down with them. Crazy, isn't it? Sometimes I feel that we are living in the twilight zone, political nerds, and every single day is just getting crazier and crazier and crazier. We'll be right back. Hello to all my fellow political nerds out there in podcast world. This is Stephen Murphy, host of your favorite political podcast, Political Thoughts with Steve. So, if you are a fan 
of small businesses and a fan of super awesome fucking t-shirt designs, then I have the company for you. And that is Stony J brand. Stony J makes some really comfortable t-shirts that just... They're really fucking awesome. You have to take my word for it. So I want you to go to bonfire.com right now. Search grow the world or search hashtag team stony brands. If you, it will bring up his shirts and go ahead and buy you a couple of those t-shirts because they are really awesome. And also since all of you are Facebook people, I want you to go to facebook.com slash a stony J brand. That's facebook.com slash a Stony J brand and give this company a like today. Go check out Stony J brands. I promise they're fucking awesome. And welcome back to this week's episode of Political Thoughts with Steve. Special thank you to Spotify for putting Pink Floyd's The Wall on there. I'm a huge Pink Floyd fan. So the title of this week's episode is Another Brick in the Wall. And it comes to our main story on this podcast. And our main story is Trump's national emergency to build his stupid fucking border wall. Now, I did not warn anybody at the beginning of this week's podcast of my naughty language and for those who are driving to work right now with kids in the car to drop them off at school i am so not sorry because you all know better y'all know my show by now so but in case if you're wondering i have put my 20 bucks in the swear jar tonight which will go towards rent so I can cuss up a storm during this segment. So we are going to be talking about our main segment, which is another brick in the wall. And we're going to talk about this stupid asinine national emergency that Donald Trump has officially declared. So President Trump declared a national emergency on the border with Mexico on Friday in order to access billions and billions of dollars that Congress refused to give him to build a wall, transforming a highly charged political dispute into a confrontation over the separation of powers outlined in the Constitution. Spoiler alert, we will be talking about this in Polytalk, which is the new segment right after this segment. So... Stay tuned for that. Trying to regain uh, momentum after losing a a grinding two-month battle with lawmakers over funding the wall, Donald Trump asserted that the flow of drugs, criminals, and illegal immigrants from Mexico constituted a profound threat to national security that justified unilateral action. He said, and I quote, We're going to confront the national security crisis on our southern border. And we're going to do it one way or the other. It's an invasion. We have an invasion of drugs and criminals coming into our country. Now, I don't agree with Donald Trump 180% of this. But, you know, we do have a problem 
we do have a problem with people coming into our nation, you know, illegally. We have a problem with drugs and criminals coming into our country. But this has been going on forever. This isn't something, you know, brand spanking new that everyone needs to be freaking out over. Do we need to fix this problem? Absolutely. We need to come up with new ways of doing it. Now, I've said it a million times. If you're going to build a wall that's going to cost $5 billion, you should give the Department of Homeland Security $5 billion to... You need to give them $5 billion to be able to do their jobs. You know, better training, better weaponry, better tools. Invest in the Department of, of Homeland Security. Not build a $5 billion wall that will be completed by the time Trump goes to jail and brought down by the next Democratic president. Because I guarantee you, that wall is coming down. Garen, guarantee you. Garen, damn to you, that wall is going to come down if it's built. We are going to confront the national security crisis on our southern border. Now, terrorism coming to our country, that is a security threat. There has not been any reports of terrorists coming into our nation from the southern border. Or the Canadian border. There have been no reports on that. The only groups of people that are coming from the southern border are those who are fleeing persecution in Mexico. I do agree that there are some drug cartels that do come in the border, but guess what? They're not... They're not bringing drugs in our country by, you know, jumping a fence, they're doing it through tunnels. That's something that needs to be addressed with this is tunnels. You can build an 80 foot high wall or a hundred foot high wall. But if you have nothing, no kind of barrier that goes all the way deep into the ground to cut off any kind of tunnels, then that wall is just going to be a structure that does absolutely nothing. Now, if you're not pissed about this, then there's something wrong with you. I am pissed. I am completely pissed off that my taxpayer money is going towards a stupid fucking border wall. Now, some of my uh, Republican friends out there in podcast world may say, well, Steve, we've had a fence there. And it's true. We have had a fence. But I think our money can be going towards something else that can actually help us. You know, how about we put $5 billion towards making sure that every American has health care? How about we do that? How about we put $5 billion into education so that our teachers can be paid better? How about we put $5 billion into our space program so we can start looking into exploring Mars or going back to the moon? That would be a pretty cool idea. But no, while our teachers are completely underpaid, why our fellow citizens are getting fucked by high insurance premiums, where NASA 
probably will not be sending us to Mars or back to the moon for a super long time. We're just going to give $5 billion to put towards this stupid fucking border wall. Now, the president's decision incited instant condemnation condemnation from Democrats. That is a non-big word. I should not have any problem saying that word. Um, Democrats condemned him, who called it an unconstitutional abuse of his authority and vowed to overturn it with the support of Republicans who also objected to the move. Uh, Nancy uh, Pelosi, our fearless Speaker of the House, said this is plainly a power grab by a disappointed president who has gone outside the bounds of the law to try to get what he failed to achieve in the constitutional legislative process. Mr. Trump's announcement came during a 50-minute appearance in which he ping-ponged from topic to topic, touching on the economy, China trade talks, and his coming summit meeting with Kim Jong-un, the leader of North Korea. The president again suggested that he should win the Nobel Peace Prize. (sighs) And his excuse? Because y'all gave one to Obama. Oh, and he reviewed which conservative commentators have been supportive of him while dismissing, are y'all ready for this? In Coulter. In Coulter called him a fucking idiot the other day. I know, right? I am like completely shocked at that too. I mean, Ann Coulter is the leader or one of the leaders of this alt-right nationalist movement that is going on right now. She is a vile woman. She is a mean woman. She hates everyone that is not white. And if you don't believe me, just YouTube Ann Coulter. But for Ann Coulter, who I swear to God is like the woman version of Michael Savage, Ann Coulter called him a fucking idiot. That is great. Because that tells me that if you lose Ann Coulter, which has been one of your biggest mouthpieces since you decided to run for president, if you lose that mouthpiece, that that hurts. That's really hurt. That really does hurt. In fact, what he said about Ann Coulter was, I don't really know her. We met like once. Um, I think it was a year ago that we met. But I don't know her. Here's a shocker. Ann Coulter did a lot of campaign speeches for Donald Trump, actually introduced Donald Trump plenty of times. Donald Trump knows Ann Coulter. This is just a dumbass move that he does. So if you believe this shit, then stop, because it is really, really stupid for you to believe something that he does not, you know, he does not know Ann Coulter. Um, Anyways. Sounding very defensive and sometimes even aggravated, Donald Trump explained his failure to secure wall funding during his first two years in office when Republicans controlled both houses of Congress, saying, and I quote, I was a little new to this job, certain people, a particular one for not having pushed this faster, faster which is a clear reference to the former Speaker of the House, Republican Paul Ryan. So he's throwing shade at Paul Ryan. Uh, Donald Trump's assertions were replete with misinformation, 
and when challenged by reporters, it refused to accept statistics produced by his own government that conflicted with this narrative, saying that the numbers that you gave me are wrong. It's a fake question. On point after point, the president insisted that he would be proved correctly. People said Trump is crazy. He said at one point, discussing his outreach to Kim Jong-un, and you know what it ended up being? A very good relationship. Uh, shocker, shocker, shocker. A soon-to-be dictator has a good good relationship with a current dictator, actually with two current dictators, because I count Vladimir Putin as the dictator of Russia. You can say all day and night that they're a democratically controlled government. I'm sorry, but if you are constantly threatening the people that run against you with violence and death just to win an election or making voters vote for a certain person that's not a democratically controlled government, that right there is a dictatorship under the disguise of a democratically controlled government. And if you don't believe me or if you disagree with me, tough shit because that's exactly what it is. Um, he acknowledged. Donald Trump acknowledged that his declaration of a national emergency would be litigated in courts. Um, he said that he is expected to be sued, but he also predicted that he's going to win in the Supreme Court. In fact, if any of y'all have not watched the cold open from SNL, I want y'all to watch this, watch that after this segment because it was freaking hilarious. Um, but indeed, public citizen and advocacy group did file a lawsuit by the end of the day on behalf of three Texas landowners whose property might be taken for a for a barrier. Uh, California, New York, likewise announced that they will sue over what um, what the governor of California called the president's vanity project, and a roster of other groups lined up to do the same. Um, fortunately, Donald Trump is not the last word. The courts will be the last word. And that's what um, a Democrat from California said. Among those predicting a flurry of judicial decisions against Mr. Trump was George Conway. George Conway is a conservative lawyer and the husband of a presidential counselor and woman who looks like she's 85, Kelly Ann Conway. If he knows he's going to lose, then he knows he is violating the Constitution and laws he has sworn to uphold. I bet that marriage is very interesting because obviously Kellyanne Conway's husband does not like Donald Trump. Conway is probably sleeping with Donald Trump. I mean, have you ever seen, like, there was a cabinet meeting like a few weeks ago. If you ever watched that video, she's like staring at him with these like goo-goo eyes. Like she is just like fucking infatuated with this guy. Could there be something going on there? I don't know. Probably not. But I'm going to let all of you think about that. Now, the House Judiciary Committee announced Friday that it would investigate the president's emergency claim. While House Democrats plan to introduce legislation to block it. Good job, Democrats. It will probably pass the House, but probably not the Senate. But good attempt. The emergency declaration enables the president to divert $3.6 billion from military construction projects to the wall, which will go towards the question of next segment's topic. Mr. Trump will also use more tactical presidential discretion to tap $2.5 billion from counter-narcotics programs and $600 million from the Treasury Department asset 
fund, combining with $1.3 billion authorized for fencing in the spending package passed on Thursday night. Don't get me started on that. I'm still pissed off. Democrats should not gave them one single penny, but they caved. That pissed me off, and if you're on Twitter and you are following me on Twitter, you know how pissed off I was Thursday night. Mr. Trump would have about $8 billion in all for barriers, more than the $5.7 billion that he shut the government down a couple of weeks ago. He opted not to tap hurricane relief money for Texas and Puerto Rico, an idea that had generated angrily complaints from Republicans. Um, but he d- expressed no concern that diverting military construction money would delay projects benefiting the troops like base housing, schools, and gyms. It didn't sound too important to me. That's what he said. So military. So here's the deal. We have these troops that live on military bases. And for those who have never been on a military installation, as a veteran, I'm going to educate you right now. On the base, there is base housing. And these housing is where our military families live. Also, there are schools on military bases. And also gyms by MWR, which is a recreational wellness uh, organization that is contracted out by the Department of Defense. And they run the gyms. They run all the special events that goes on on a military base. So he's saying that you know, building base housing or upgrading base housing, upgrading schools and gymnasiums is not really important to him. That's kind of shitty because this wall is not too important to me. It is a shitty idea. Our government sucks. Our government should have never gave him $1.3 billion to begin with. I'm very pissed off at our leadership on that. I understand it's politics, but guess what? We shut down the go- or they shut down the government for over a month, thirty what, a month and a half, over five billion dollars, and still caving and gave him one point seven. That fucker didn't deserve one point seven. That fucker didn't deserve a penny of our taxpayer. See, I'm starting to get pissed off talking about. It. So I'm done talking about this stupid wall for this week. So that's what's going on right now in the border wall. Um. Will it be challenged in court? Absolutely. What will be the outcome? We don't know yet. Um, but the lingering question for all of you political nerds out there is, of course, where do we go from here? Do we create legislation? Do we say, I'm sorry, President Trump, this is not going to happen. Let the courts handle it. I mean, according to Trump, the courts are going to... Uh, Screw it over, according to him, it's eventually going to go to the Supreme Court. Would the Supreme Court allow the President of the United States to build this wall? To use money? Think about these questions. We'll be right back. And welcome to our new segment entitled Polytalk. Polytalk is going to be the new segment that we are going to be uh, talking about from now on. Um, and it's because, you know, we had the segment this week in Trump, which we talk about Donald Trump's, you know, stupid bullshit. 
But when I got to think about it, I was like, you know what? We talk about Trump all the time. So what's the point of having a segment called This Week in Trump? So doing some thinking about it, I decided, you know what? We're going to cut that segment. But I want to be different than a lot of other podcasts out there. Some podcasts, you know, and I'm not calling any names, but, you know, being from Alabama, I listen to a lot of conservative talk shows because that's all we have down here. And it's nothing but false facts. I did not want my podcast to ever be a podcast where there's false facts. I research everything that I say, especially if I'm talking about numbers, I always have statistics. If I have statistics, I have researched that and I always send a link out so you can look at the reports. And there's one thing college taught me was if you put any kind of numbers in a report or if you are talking about a specific subject, you need references if you're going to you know, make any kind of if you're using any kind of data. So thank you to the college that gave me my undergrad degree. I appreciate that. Um, so I decided that, you know, everyone knows that I have a degree in political science. Everyone knows that I am soon to be finished with my master's in public administration, which I'm very excited about. Only two more months about that. Um, but I wanted to do something different. I wanted to create a segment to where we learn something. Now, some of y'all don't, you know, some of y'all who listen to radio programs, they really don't educate you because it's so one-sided. Um, now, you can say that my podcast is one-sided also, and you know what? You're a little bit right because I'm not a Republican. I 100% disagree with Republicans on many of many of many of issues. I am not a fan of Donald Trump. I am not a Trump supporter. I am not a supporter of the Trump administration. So yes, absolutely. You do get some one-sided opinions from this pod, but how, how however, I do provide information that you can go look up especially if it's like information that deals with statistics. So I've decided to create Polytalk. Polytalk is where we talk about a political subject. And this week's political subject we are going to be talking about class is the history of national emergencies. Now, everyone knows that Donald Trump signed a national emergency declaration on Friday that would tell Congress to give him money to go towards this stupid fucking border wall. So let's take out our pencils or and get yourself a pen to make some notes because we are going to be talking about the history of national emergencies going to the National Emergency Act that was signed in 1976 by President Gerald Ford. And the question of the cast is... Is Trump's national emergency declaration unconstitutional? So go ahead and write that down. Put it like in some stars. Unless you're driving. If you're driving, don't do shit. Just drive and listen. 
So let's give some background on the National um, Emergency Act. So the first president, the first president to issue an emergency proclamation was Woodrow Wilson on February 5th, 1917, saying that I have found that there exists a national emergency arising from the insufficiency of maritime tonnage to carry the products of the farms, forests, mines, and manufacturing industries of the United States to the consumers abroad and within the United States. This proclamation was when was within the limits of the act that established the United States Shipping Board. Starting with FDR in 33, presidents asserted the power to declare emergencies without limiting their scopes or duration, without citing the the relevant statutes, and without congressional oversight. The Supreme Court in Youngstown Sheet and Two Company versus Sawyer, that is Youngstown Sheet and Two Company versus Sawyer, limited what a president could do in such an emergency but did not limit the emergency declaration power itself. A 1973 Senate investigation found, which if you want to go look that up, that was in uh, Senate Report 93-549, that four declared emergencies remained in effect. The 1933 banking crisis with respect to the holding of gold, the 1950 emergency with respect to the Korean War, a 1970 emergency regarding the postal worker strike and the 70, 1971 emergency in response to inflation. Many provisions of statute law are contingent on a declaration of national emergency, as many as 500 by one count. It was due in part to concern that a declaration of emergency for one purpose should not invoke every possible executive emergency power that Congress in 76 passed the National Emergencies Act. Presidents have continued to use their emergency authority subject to the provisions with the act with 42 national emergency to, national emergencies declared between 1976 and 2007. Most of these were the purpose of restricting trade with certain foreign entities under the International Emergency Economics Power Act, or the IEEPA. You cool, class? Need some time to, you know, write all this down? All right, well, you know, we'll take a second. We'll take a second. Moving on. A prior Senate investigation had found 470 provisions of federal law that a president might invoke via a declaration of emergency. The act appealed several of these provisions and stated that prior emergency declarations would no longer give force to these provisions that remained. Congress did not attempt to revoke any outstanding emergency declarations as they remained the president's prerogative under Article 2 of the United States Congress Constitution. Now, to go back to the question of the cast, is Trump's national emergency declaration unconstitutional or constitutional? Please go to the United States Constitution under Section is under Article 2, Section 9, I believe, which is the power of the purse. Keep that as a reference. Um, so there are procedures. The act authorized the president to activate emergency provisions of law via an emergency declaration on the conditions 
that the president specifies the provisions so activated and notifies Congress. An activation would expire if the president expressly terminated the emergency or did not renew the emergency annually. Or if it or if each House of Congress passed a resolution terminating the emergency. Now, stop. That's what they're trying to do right now. They're trying to pass a a um, a CR, a continuing resolution, to block Trump from using the National Emergencies Act to declare a national emergency for the border wall. After presidents objected to this constitutional termination provision on separation of powers grounds, the United States Supreme Court in the INS versus Chadha, which is C-H-A-D-H-A, it was in 1983, held such provisions to be an unconstitutional legislative veto. It replaced in 1985 with termination by an enacted joint resolution. So not a continuing resolution. I, I'm sorry, I got, got it a little mixed up. It's not a continuing resolution that they're going for right now. It's a joint resolution. A joint resolution passed by both chambers require a presidential signature, giving the president veto power over the termination requiring a two-thirds majority. There it is. Sometimes I'm going to give all of you awesome people like a like a test. Um, two-thirds majority in both houses in the case of a contested termination to override the veto. Um, there's some exceptions to this, but I'm not going to get into that. Um, Congress has delegated at least 136 distinct statutory emergency powers to the president upon the declaration of an emergency. Only 13 require a declaration from Congress. The remaining 123 are invoked by an executive declaration with no congressional input. Emergency presidential powers are dramatic and range from spending all laws regulated chemical and biological weapons, including the ban on human testing, which passed in, 60, in 1969, giggity, to suspending any Clean Air Act implementation plan or excess emissions penalty upon petition of a state governor, to authorizing and constructing military construction projects, which was passed in 1982, using an existing Defense appropriations for such military constructions, which in FY 2018, that was a $10.4 billion project, to drafting any retired Coast Guard officers or enlisted members into active duty, which is a 14 United States Code 331, which was passed in 1963, or 14 United States Code 359, which was passed in 1949. There's a lot of information in this. As of February, as of this month, 59 national emergencies have been declared, with 31 of them being renewed annually. These include the eight that were declared prior to the passage of the 1976 Act. The longest, the longest continuing national emergency dates back to November 1979 by the Carter administration blocking Iranian government property under the International Emergency Economic Powers Act, or the IEEPA. After months of debate over the southern border wall and the 2018-19 United States federal government shutdown in response to the refusal of Congress to appropriate $5.7 billion 
President Trump declared a national emergency. Trump's declaration was unprecedented in that none of the 58 previous emergency declarations involving circumventing Congress to spend money it had expressly refused to authorize. Now, that was a lot to take in. That was a lot to take in. So, I want everyone to look into your United States constitutions. And let's talk about the power of the purse. Now, for those who may hear some clicking sound, um, the powers of the United States Congress or the powers of the purse. They're implemented under our Constitution defined by rulings by the Supreme Court. Now, Article 1 of the Constitution sets forth most of the powers of Congress, which include numerous explicit powers enumerated in Section 8. Constitutional amendments have granted Congress additional powers. Congress also have implied or implied powers diverted from the necessary of proper clause of the Constitution. Now, let's talk about the power of the purse. Because the question I gave everyone at the beginning of this segment is, is Trump's declaration constitutional? Well, You must look at the United States Constitution, which is the powers of the purse. To find, I wouldn't say to find the answer, but it is a good way. I think it's Article 1, Section 9 and Article 1, Section 8, Clause 1. So we're going to look at Article 1, Section 9 first. Pull up Article 1 here. Article 1, Section 9 of the United States Con of the Constitution. Now, for those who are following along, please go to Article 1, Section 9. This is the migration importation of such persons shall not think of proper to omit, shall not be prohibited by Congress. I think it's actually uh, like Section 3. Let's see, no title of nobility. No money shall be drawn from Treasury, but in consequence of appropriations made by law, and a regular statement of account of the receipts and expenditures of all money shall be published from time to time. No references shall be given by any regulation of commerce or revenue to the ports of the state other than no shall vest. Yeah, we don't care about that. We care about the money. So, All right, so basically what section, I think this is a 
Article 169 is saying that you cannot draw money from the Treasury unless if Congress passes a law that says you can draw money from the Treasury. So this is where we're coming up on the, you know, this could be unconstitutional. This is what constitutional lawyers are going to be fighting, saying that, you know, we're going to bring it up under Article 1, Section 9. And I think there was another, um, I think there was another article um, about the power of the purse saying that, you know, Congress has the ability to tax and spend public money for the national government, not the president. So that is probably going to be your best bet on, you know, what what he does is constitutional or not. So just look at the power of the purse. Look at Article 1, Section 9 and Article 1, Section 8, Section 3. That should help you with our question of the cast. We'll be right back. And welcome back to our final segment called Final Thoughts to Steve. This is my favorite segment because this is that you know time that we can kind of unwind from the last hour of this podcast and take a long, deep breath and try to get our blood pressure you know lowered. I mean, I have gone through my glass of whiskey already, and it would be bad if I decided to pour another one because I don't want to be drunk anyways. So we are going to be talking about voting. I know this could been a this could been a segment topic or all that, but we're going to be talking about voting. Now some of you may be issue voters, which means y'all vote for the candidate who you agree on a specific issue. For most Republicans, that issue is either going to be about guns or abortions. For Democrats, we're, you know, civil rights, um, which probably goes into LGBT rights, um, Roe versus Wade, abortion. Um, now, you know, it's immigration. I mean, there's a lot of uh, different issues that politicians talk about when they're running for office. I mean, I have worked in government for a long time now, and I can tell you that during campaign season, you're going to hear everything. And this is, we are just starting to get into campaign season. There has been a lot of Democrats who have already came out and started campaigning for the 2020 general election. I mean, this is going to be a huge field. I think this is probably going to be the biggest field that we have seen yet in politics. As far as the Democrats are concerned, for the Republicans, you had a huge field in 2016 or during 2015, but 2019 is going to be, or yeah, this year and next year is going to be huge as far as who is going to be running for president. Now, we have a lot of people who are running, and right now there have been reports going all over Twitter, all over Facebook, Instagram, Reddit all over the internet talking about how bad one candidate is compared to the other. Now, we all have our favorites. We all have the ones that we have been rooting for since the very beginning, or in my case, we are rooting for to announce that he or she is running for president. 
But I don't think this is the time to start talking shit about you know another candidate. Now, here's the thing. This is something I want to tell every single one of you. Bernie Sanders did not fuck Hillary Clinton from being president. Hillary fucked Hillary. And the DNC fucked Bernie. Why do I say that? Why do I piss you off by saying this? I'll be more than happy to tell you. Bernie did not come out there and say, don't vote for Hillary. Hillary had a lot of bad crap against her. Hillary was also the chosen one the moment that Joe Biden decided not to run in 2016. They automatically picked Hillary. That was completely wrong. The purpose of the primaries is for the American voters to pick who they want to represent their party in the general, not the DNC or the RNC already picking a candidate, shoving that candidate down people's throats and screwing the other people who are running for president. Bernie did not screw Hillary. In fact, if you want to know the God honest truth and I do my best to tell every single one of you the God honest truth all the time in this pod. If it wasn't thanks for Bernie Sanders, we wouldn't even be talking about universal health care. We wouldn't be. There'll be no such thing as a democratic socialist or a modern democratic socialist. I mean, FDR was pretty much a democratic socialist when he came up with the New Deal, when he came up with Medicare, Medicaid, and Social Security to help us get out of the Depression. Because of Bernie, we are talking about all these issues today. We are talking about universal health care or Medicare for all. We're talking about corruption on Wall Street. Wall Street needs to be paying more into in taxes than what they're doing right now. It's because of Bernie. And it kills me to see many people that were all Bernie Sanders in 2016 fucking hate the old guy now because he fucked Hillary Clinton. No, he did not. Hillary had a lot of shit against her. She was not the right one. When I went to the poll in 2016, I literally said, we are picking the two graders, or we are picking... The best of the two evils. Or something like that. We are. We are making that choice. We know both of them have a lot of bad shit against them. The lesser of the two evils. I shouldn't have never had to vote like that. I should have went in there saying. I am voting for this person. Because this person aligns with my beliefs. And what I believe our country should be heading towards. Not, ah, shit, I gotta vote for Hillary Clinton because there ain't no chance in hell I'm voting a Republican or there's no chance in hell I'm voting for Donald Trump. Where Bernie failed, Bernie should have went straight to the convention floor and challenged on the convention floor. It would have, it would have a, um, been a mess, of course. But he had every right to do it, and he bowed out for what's best for the party. What's best for the party. See, this goes back to why a two-party system fucking sucks in the U.S. We need to get away from a two-party system. But for the record, 
Bernie did not fuck Hillary Clinton. The DNC fucked Bernie Sanders. And in return, millennials, we just chose not to vote. And that's how you got Donald Trump. Now, was there Russia collusion? Probably, definitely, yes. Um, but did pissed off millennial voters have something to do with this also? Absolutely. When you piss off one of the largest voting demographics, what's the purpose of us going to vote when our vote does not matter? When the DNC shoved Hillary down our throats, what's the purpose of voting? I voted because I did not want Trump. I got Trump. And in 2020, I'm praying that Trump has either been impeached, he resigned, or he loses the 2020 general election, which I believe will, he will create an un, he will create a constitutional crisis in itself by refusing to step down, and thus we're going to have a huge mess just like we did in 2000. We as Americans have a tendency of going to the polls and voting. On issues, we need to stop voting on single issues. You need to ask yourself these questions, especially if you're a new voter. Which politician have you heard that aligns with your values? Which politicians support your dreams and you know what you want this country to become? We need to we need to stop just being assholes to one another and start thinking about what we want our country to become. Are you happy with the way how our country has been ran? I'm not. But are you? Do you want changes to happen in this country? Is it time for another revolution to happen in our political system? I mean, hell, we just saw the largest group of women elected into the U.S. Con- into the U.S. Congress. That is a huge, huge step when it comes to women's suffrage. That is a huge step in making change. But are we ready to create more change? Or are we just ready to go back to the old ways of dealing with politics? That's a good question. I know I'm not. Many members of my generation as millennials, we don't want to go back to the old ways. We want to create new ways of making our nation better. Making our nation great again? Well, from a statistics standpoint, our nation was never great. What makes America great is the people that live here. Hardworking Americans who care. We just need to be better human beings towards each other, and we can actually make America better. We need to find new ways of dealing with issues, not going back to the old way of life. You don't believe in universal health care? Cool. Find another way. You don't believe in an abortion? Cool. Don't get an abortion. You believe in women's rights? Cool. Support each other and continue to push each other to make the women's movement better. I see great things happening with women over the next 10 years. I really do. But we need to stop. We just need to stop saying, oh, Kamala Harris, oh, she slipped her way to the top. That's not fair to her. We need to stop blaming Bernie for our problems. He's not the cause of our problems. We are the cause of our problems. 
we need to stop judging every politician at the very beginning and listen to politicians. I have said this, told this story a million times. A week before my grandmother died in 2015, Donald Trump came to my hometown and spoke at a rally. I went to that rally, not because I supported Trump. I went because I wanted to hear what this presidential candidate was saying. I did. I didn't support him after that. I refused to vote for him. In fact, I haven't voted Republican since 2004. But I heard him out. I may have been shaking my head the whole time and calling his bullshit, but I heard him out. We need to hear our politicians out. We need to hear these people out. And then after you get done hearing all of them out, then make your decision on who are you pulling for. That's what I'm doing now. Now, I'm waiting for one of my favorites to come in. But you know what? His political his political stances may not align to what I believe in now. If he comes out talking about universal health care and he is truthful on that, then yeah, he has my support. But if he comes out and says, you know, we need to keep the same system, then he's probably just lost my support because I strongly believe in the Medicare for all system. So we need to look into the issues and stop criticizing candidates the moment that they announce. We need to hear them all out and decide as a people, who do we want to represent us in the general election? Who do we want that is strong enough to go up against the soon-to-be dictator-in-chief? Who do we want that represents our voice? Those are the questions you need to start asking yourself. Because if you're not careful and you keep holding grudges, I guarantee you Trump will win in 2020 and we will be in the same shit in 2021 and 22 than we are right now guarantee that so we just need to come together and we need to start talking to each other and being more human we just need to start being better and that would do it for this week's episode of political thoughts with steve so a lot of cool things are happening um we will be at pod x we are looking forward to seeing all of our other fellow podcasters at PodX in Nashville. That is from May 31st all the way to June 2nd. That is the last weekend of May. We are looking forward to being in beautiful Nashville, Tennessee. I cannot wait to be in Nashville. And if you want tickets to that, go to PodX.com and get your tickets and join us and say hi to us because we are going to be wearing our brand new Political Thoughts with Steve t-shirts. It's going to be so cool, and we may bring some extra ones. So if you're interested, please, please, please stop us at the convention and you know let us know that you're a fan of the show, and you could be leaving with some free merch. Could be. I'm not saying yes, but there is a huge probability. Um, also, um, as mentioned before, huge um, shout out to Stony J Brands. Stony J is a um, new company. It's founded by one of my best friends. Um, actually, he's he's one of my brothers from another mother. Um, he is actually uh, helping us with our um, with our t shirts for Podex. So, if you are all about you know small businesses and supporting small businesses and as I said in an ad that was featured in this week's episode, if you are you know all about 
really cool t-shirts, then you want to go to um, bonfire.com and search Stony J Brands and take a look at his stuff and, you know, give him your business. He is a cool, awesome person. And you should definitely, definitely, definitely give him some love and um, give him some business. Um, Twitter followers, we are doing good. We are almost at 1,700 Twitter followers, which is a whole lot more than what we've had. Um, we are growing by the day though. I think that right now we are growing by 30 or 40 followers per day, which is great. Um, but we have a goal. We are looking to the goal of 5,000. So tell your friends about us, let your friends hear us and tell them to go to twitter.com slash official PTWSTEV. That is twitter.com slash official PTWSTEV and click that follow button. Also, make sure that you um, tell your friends to listen to us because without all of you, our political nerds, our fans, we cannot be doing this every single week. And it's because of you and your, your donations and everything to us. That's the reason why we can bring you all this really cool content and everything. So that will do it for this week's episode of political thoughts to Steve. Remember to go thank a veteran this week. Tell a member of our armed forces that you love them. Um, tell our members in blue that you love them and support them. Um, I know there's a lot of mixed emotions out there, but you know what? It's your decision. As I keep on preaching, let's become better human beings and stop being assholes. So with that, we will see you next week for a new episode of Political Thoughts with Steve. We will see you next week.